On today's 77 Minutes in Heaven, we'll talk about the building chemistry between Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis, about the team in general since the All-Star break or, or with the All-Star break approaching, and maybe a little bit on Michael Cape Gilchrist, the newest Maverick. But first, the Athletic Podcast Network is supported by the Quip Electric Toothbrush, the Tesla of toothbrushes. Most people's oral care habits could be better. We often brush for less than two minutes and use old, worn-out bristles. Quip makes having a fresh, healthy mouth easy and convenient. Their electric toothbrush pulses every 30 seconds so you clean your mouth evenly. And they deliver brush head refills every three months like dentists recommend. Get your first refill free at getquip.com slash listen. That's getquip.com slash listen. Hello, welcome to 77 Minutes in Heaven, a Dallas Mavericks podcast that's part of the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Tim Cato, a Mavericks writer for TheAthletic.com. Uh, I'm here today with uh, Mo DeKeel, someone who is not going to have to worry about his flight to Chicago being iced in tomorrow. No, nah, man, I'm, I'm living pretty carefree right now. This is uh, got w- one more night until the... Uh Really, the all-star break begins, and I'm just chilling, man. I got beautiful weather in LA. I'm not going to have to worry about the cold. I don't know if you know this about me, Tim, but I'm more of a, uh, a warm weather kind of person. You know, I'm a I'm a desert person. But let's we got it. We got to talk about the, the the players. This is what the people came to listen to. They don't care about you're probably going to get delayed going to Chicago. They don't care that I'm living in good weather, LA. They want to hear about Kristaps and Luca. They were really good last night. Luca came back from the uh, from missing, I think, seven games with an ankle injury. Um, obviously, his his second one, you know, it was a, it was a more jammed schedule of games, so he missed a few more than his first one, even though the time frames were pretty similar. But yeah, no, last last night the uh, the win against the Sacramento Kings on Wednesday it was by far the best that those two players have played together. You know, I, I it's not it's not even close to me. You know, just the it wasn't just the scoring. You know, the, the, there was another game early in the season where they both had around sixty points. But, you know, they combined for 60, but the way they combined for 60 in this game, um, I thought that was just just very impressive. You know, the um, uh, Kristaps in general, you know, really getting his efficiency, his form back. He was hitting mid-range shots again, um, something that, you know, he's actually kind of struggled to do. Like, like weirdly, there, there's been a lot more. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of New York looking Porzingis this season. And, uh, and I thought, thought he, you know, mixed in his New York qualities. Um, the, in, the, in the right ways yeah uh, we, we, we look good out there tonight you know we um, Luca's done a, a great job of you know communicating to me uh, where I want to get the ball you know he's also kind of getting used to playing with me and and he's really you know starting to find me in those spots where I'm comfortable and that mid-range area and um, and just slowly slowly these things are starting to click so uh, uh, I think I think as 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 we keep working playing together, it's, it's gonna get better and better and better. So uh, we want to keep it going and and um, you know shout out Luca. He had a great game. Also everybody, yeah, everybody stepped up tonight and played great. So uh, happy that we were able to finish this this stretch on on a good note. The one thing I like about it is like this is Porzingis kind of getting back, you know, coming back from the injury. It takes a while you know, having not played as long as he has. So it's good to see that this is 
slowly coming on. Like I, I do feel like we're beginning to get back to our getting our unicorn back to a degree, you know, like we're getting to see, like you said, kind of the New York Przingis a bit with, with how he's playing and things like that. And I just think I'm just excited because like the chemistry between those two guys is going to be so important, not just this season, but really for the future of this team. Like, you know, Porzingis is locked in for a long time. Doncic isn't going anywhere. And I just think it's, it's, it's so important that these guys find that chemistry and figuring out how to play with each other. And as you said, even though early in the year, they had games where they both scored well, this game really did feel like they were working well together better than any other. Yeah, I wrote about it last night or, or this. Uh, yeah, I wrote about it Thursday on The Athletic. It's a story called the Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis pairing has started imperfectly. Here's why it doesn't matter. And, and I, I really don't think it does because of the potential they've shown because of, you know, everything about Porzingis and the, the time it will take, you know, for him to, to kind of get back. Uh, one sentence I wrote was... Uh, was this what you should remember is that Porzingis isn't finding his old self as the cliche goes he's simultaneously regaining his basketball skills while reinventing himself as a different player next to a superstar teammate he's never had in in an offense that's asking less of his raw talent and in much more of his basketball brain I I think that is a fair thing to say that you know you got to you know I I we we we've all mentioned you know kind of New York Porzingis as as this kind of holy grail Uh, I just did it but but in truth you know there are there are elements of his game when he was a Nick that that need to come back and have been slowly coming back. But but he's also taking those elements and putting it into a new offense next to a superstar teammate. You know, he was he's never been in a real offense. He's only played in the triangle, which is in 20, you know, 2020, not a real offense anymore. I'm sorry, Nick's. <laughs> and, and you know, you know, adjusting to it to an actual legitimate modern NBA offense like he has been, you know, of course, that's going to take a while. Of course, you know, he's going to have to figure out where his looks are going to come from. Um, he talked about it last night. Uh, he, t- he talked about how he's he's more comfortable with with the mid rangers, how you know, he, he can maybe be a little bit off balance with it. You know, he actually had a really good quote about it. Yeah, I feel I feel real comfortable now with all my mid-range shooting. Uh, early in the season, I, it wasn't feeling as good. Uh, honestly, now I'm kind of like, I can be a little bit off balance or whatever. And and I still feel the shot pretty good. So um, it feels good to be feeling good. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'll stay working. Again, shout out to, um, to Sham God. You know, he's, he's been, we've been working daily and and, and, uh, and at the end the, the answer to everything is just putting in work you know for me it's it's always been that way and and my work ethic has always helped me you know grow as a player and, and this 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 year is no different uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm putting in the work and that's that's giving me the fruits and in the games and and just in general I, i've i've been in you know I've, I've been impressed with the way that he's developing his his game you know, in the right ways. And, and, you know, especially since the Dwight Powell injury, one thing he has uh, had to do is become more of a role man. You know, they, I think they spent the first few months of the season, you know, adjusting him as, as more of a tertiary and a, a secondary playmaker, a spot up guy, a, you know, still someone who was very involved in the offense, but not someone who was directly setting screens all the time for Luca. Um, and, and, and one stat I had in this article was that, you know, ever since Powell went out, he's setting 16, 16 picks for Doncic per 36 minutes, which is actually one pick more than Powell was setting in, in you know, when, when Powell was healthy in, in, in that time. So, 
you know, he he's being he's embracing that. And and one thing obviously you have to do is is you know in a switching NBA, he is going to have switch matchups on him a lot. And and I thought the mid range shots he took last night were smart. You know, they were they were incisive and. You know, I, I was watching it from a from a pretty low angle. I was actually uh, sitting with my roommate who happened to have uh, tickets and a free seat next to him. So I was like, hey, why not? And and we kind of had a, you know, maybe five rows up. And and when you see him, when, when you see him on the court from that angle, you just like, of course, he's going to shoot over these guys. Like, like they come right. up to his like to his chest, like the, the tip of their their head comes up to his chest. He's, he's just towering over them when he gets mismatches like that. And the, and the fact that, you know, that was starting to come back, you could see that he was putting it in. I, I, you know, maybe it goes away. But but I thought the game itself overall, the two performances were very, very promising. Yeah, that's kind of me and Luca just uh, talking and, and figuring that those things out. And we want to take advantage of that. You know, when, when they switch and I have a smaller guy on me, um, I have to be able to take advantage, you know. Otherwise, I'm just a guard out there, seven-three guard. Um, and tonight, things clicked and, and we played well. And Luca hit me in those spots, and um, I was just able to make the make the play, whether it was passing or, or shooting over the guy, and, and that's it. And as I said, I'm just feeling comfortable doing it, and that's it. I'll keep working and stay ready. Yeah, and you know, a couple of things you said there. One, I'm this is time for a podcast for another day but you know there is a room for the triangle in 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 modern <laughs> nba just so just so few, so people know oh, i mean there's room for like triangle principles but for an entire uh, 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 offense uh, uh, to be based around the tri- off the triangle that's not going to ever happen again tim tim relax okay podcast for <laughs> another day don't worry and i will eviscerate Alrighty. you in that podcast because that's kind of my expertise um but the the thing about this for for Porzingis is you know I do like seeing him setting more screens for for Luca being kind of more involved and and you know we haven't even really gotten to the point where he's going to get the pass on the short roll and be able to make the the immediate pass after that as well I think like there's he, there's he did so a couple ma- times last night but I agree that that's still a work in progress. And but I think it's going to come right. Like it's not that he's not yeah. capable of doing it. I think he's just got to get used to kind of setting these screens more and more. And and this is, you know, the as brutal as the Powell injury is. This is kind of a a, a thing that this does allow them to get Porzingis more opportunities because he should be able to mix it up. He should still roll to the basket from time to time. I mean, he's seven three, dude. He's he's ginormous. You just talked about it. Dudes can't see him. Or other way around, he can't see dude these guys when they contest his shots because even when they put their hand up, it's it's nothing to him. You know, he's still just rising up over these guys and able to drill shots. And I think that's a key thing. And I don't think he should feel limited to just shoot threes. I know we talking about shooting in the mid range is kind of a taboo thing, although I strongly disagree with it. With 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 people thinking that way, I think that's a good shot for him. And it's a good opportunity for him. And I think this is something the Mavs can continue to build on and just adds another dynamic to their offense that just makes them more explosive. Because now when you set a pick and roll with Luka coming off this, man, you got two threats to really worry about. First, you got to figure out if Porzingis is rolling or popping. And and, and then you got to figure out what you're doing with, with Doncic as he's coming off these screens. Like, that's a lot going on there. You know, with Powell, you were just like, yo, we just got to watch the role and, and, and we're going to be all right. Not that he can't shoot, not that he didn't pop, but your biggest concern was him rolling to the rim. This is, this is the big difference there when you have Porzingis setting that, 
that screen. So I think this is going to be a real positive thing moving forward. And it does help with their chemistry. It allows them to kind of work together more often than not. And, and is much better than him just kind of standing off to the side like he was doing for a while at the start of the season. I thought Carlisle also said something interesting when, when he mentioned eye contact uh, as, as, a, as a key to last night. And, and like you were saying about his passing, how that's going to come, um, I, I don't know for sure this was a scripted play, but there was one moment where Porzingis got a free throw line post up, which, you know, is, is a Jokic staple, you know, and, and not something I've hardly seen at all with Porzingis this year. Just because you have to have amazing vision and feel for the game and and knowledge of when someone might be coming, you know, from the backside to just strip the ball away from you. Because, you know, if, if you lose the ball, if, if you don't realize someone's there and he knocks the ball out, that's a that's a layup, you know, down on the other end. Uh, so so that that is a you know, that is a trusting play to call for a big man. And and I, I should probably go back and look and see if it was intentional or not. But the fact that, you know, Porzingis, I, I forget exactly what happened, but it was, it was a positive play. There was a positive play out of that moment. And, and the fact that he was able to to take one of those, you know, free throw line post ups and, and, and make something good happen out of it, I think does show that his vision is progressing and that his, you know, his passing. I, I believe he tied a career high last night with a, with five assists, which, you know, it's, it's obviously not much. And, and he was not really asked to be a, a playmaker or passer in New York. But, you know, I, I think that's that's a good, you know, it's a good sign. And it's a good sign that, you know, he is starting to adapt to the system and and becoming an outlet, uh, you know, on short rolls or, you know, wherever he is. And, and I think that's going to be a, an important next step for him. And we're not, and we're not far from running those Dirk actions that get him in isolation at the free throw line. You know, like that was a staple of the Dallas offense when Dirk was in his heyday. And I mean, that was like many moons ago. Uh, you might have just been a young pup at that point, Tim. But um, woof woof. Oh boy. Uh, so you know, I think that's something that you could. Those are actions you could use with Porzingis as. As time goes on, I don't know if he's necessarily ready for that yet, but I think that that's a good area to get him to operate too, because he can hit that shot. He can, he can drive. He's going to be able, as he gets better, you know, more comfortable with his teammates and everything. I think he'll be able to make passes out of that because it's a tough place to double from there. You know, if, if he starts to dominate and again, he's just so damn tall, it's, you know, he can just rise up over just about any defender and get that shot off. So I, I kind of like that action at some point developing, even if it's a pick and roll right into that, that's a good thing for, for the Mavs and something that uh, maybe Carlisle might experiment with at some point. Yeah. So before December 15th, Porzingis was averaging about 17 points on 50% sure shooting, which is objectively terrible. Um, You know, that, that was pretty much the first two months since he returned, you know, from 19 months away from basketball, of course, you know, I, I think the expectation was that he was going to struggle to an extent. Um, since then, he's at about 20 points per game, so about three points per game more. And his efficiency has gone up eight percentage points. He's, a, he's at 58 percent true shooting. Um, and now that that period includes uh, Luca getting injured and Porzingis uh, stats, Porzingis' stats going up a little bit. And then the two of them playing together for a few games and then Porzingis missed 10 games. And then they came, you know, Luca and Porzingis returned and, and Luca and him played together. And, and his stats did fall a little bit during during that second Luca period where, where he was back and, and they were playing together. And then Luca got injured again. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of context that's that's needed for that stat. 
but I would say, you know, you you put a, you know, you put it in a graph and you and you kind of chart the the trajectory. It's it's clearly upwards. It's clearly an upwards trajectory. And I think last night was an ideal setting and situation for these two players. And you know, if they can keep doing that, um, obviously Dallas Dallas is is going to be in a real good spot. Yeah, and and you know, kind of just looking forward and 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 sort of looking back at this season, you know, and and we still got about thirty or so games going. You know, for me, the Mavs are just playing with house money. You know, I didn't expect them to be this good. I didn't expect them. To, I, I, I I didn't have them in the playoffs. I had them competing for the eight seed. I didn't think they were ready. You know, for me at this point, they're playing with house money, and they get to kind of have this opportunity to 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 continue to experiment and see how it goes while these guys get valuable experience. You know, um, so for me, everything kind of going forward is a plus in that sense of building that chemistry between. Uh, Doncic and Porzingis, giving the front office and coaching staff time to evaluate of what do we need to add to get this team to that next level and to continue to grow. Because one thing, Tim, that does scare me about teams like this is you don't want to be one hit wonders. You don't want to have that one year where you're really good and you surprise everybody. And then next season, you just kind of fall flat. Uh, the Back in the day, the New Orleans Hornets were a team that kind of uh, suffered from that. They had a, a a great year with Chris Paul, great run in the playoffs, and then the next year they were just terrible. It's kind of continuing to get to that next step, and I think they're in a good position now to sort of just let's look at everything we have, evaluate everything, let's look at our pieces, let's continue to develop these guys, and and moving forward. Not to say you throw the season away, but you know at this point you're you're almost ahead of schedule, and we talked about it last podcast, and I'm going to keep preaching it. Don't move goalposts on these guys early in the year when they're on that run. People were talking about like, are they dark horse contenders? Hell no, they weren't. And 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 that's not a shot at them. It's just they weren't ready yet. And I still think it takes time. So let's just not move goalposts. And let's enjoy the ride we have with them. Oh, I have I have a mini rant about that very topic about, you know, I know you're not as involved in Mav- Mavericks Twitter and uh you know, I'm I'm not the most involved either. I've I've definitely been guilty of of going several days at a time without even like tweeting. You know, if I don't have anything to say, uh, but you know, I browse it, I see it. There's people in my mentions. You know, I you know I follow a decent number of Mavericks people. I I've been shocked at how pessimistic everything has been. That it just like it feels like you know the the team has a bad home record. Sure, that 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 is fact. Uh, like it feels like it's the end of the world a lot of the times. The way it's tweeted about, tweeted about, talked about. You know, the, the the team, you know, has has lost some games they shouldn't. You know, Porzingis has had some moments where he struggled. The you know, they they've you know they had an awful where they blew like a twenty seven point lead against the Raptors. Like there have been some bad moments this season. But it, it feels like it it you know, this the the complaints, the arguments, the 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 times where people are saying Rick Carlisle's coaching specifically is the problem, the the times where, you know, people are are complaining about a team losing games where they're missing Luka Doncic, you know, and just you know, this, this past stretch I, I saw a lot of complaints on Twitter and you're just like it's 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 a name for for a team that, you know, already has as, you know, is is one win away from like the total win that they had last season. They're 33 and 22 at the All-Star break. You know, that that's one of their best records in in a decade, you know, at, at this point. Um you know, it's it's like for every loss that gets complained about it, it's like they forget that, you know, the team also went to Milwaukee and won without Luca on the road. 
Like, right. like who does that? What, like, that, that is not what this team was ever supposed to be doing. You know, even next season, you know, maybe this team, you know, isn't supposed to be, you know, doing stuff like that. And, and they're able to do that this year. Like, like all, all the, all the wins, all the best moments are forgotten. It's, it's just, it's very funny to me. And, and, and it absolutely is a goalpost uh, being moved forwards. So, you know, that, that's, that's 100% what it is. And, and just like the, the inability to, to keep everything in context and remember what this, what this team was supposed to be, what this team will be. Um, and, and, you know, what this season is all about, which is, you know, developing, developing these people, having them go through these exact moments, you know, having them struggle and, and blow some leads and struggle at home and have the, the, the crunch time offense not, not work to, to, uh, to perfection. Like, that's all fine. Like, that is all trials and tribulations that this team needs to go through. And, and I feel like that is consistently forgotten you know, among the Mavericks fan base and, you know, it's okay to complain and it's okay to, as a fan, want to win now and want to go, you know, gun for a championship and a, and a title. And just like, you know, as a fan, I think it's natural to think that, oh, you know, why can't we do this now? You know, you look at the losses that, you know, sure could have gone the other way. You know, it, it, you can obviously make an argument for five or six games that, that should have, you know, gone differently and, and could have been won. But, uh, you know, that that is always going to happen, um, you know, with a young team like this that hasn't done it before. So yeah, anyway, and I, I want to. How was that as a rant? That was a good another, rant. As a good another rant. podcasting another podcasting thing I, I've picked up. I'm a big rant person. Just in regular life, I have friends who who, <laughs> who get a text message of me saying, "Don't pick up your phone. I'm going to leave a voicemail," and then just rant on their their voicemail to the point where I have to call several times. But that's a Nothing to do with the Mavs here. Um, I do want to fight people. Anybody who tells me that Rick Carlisle is not a good coach or has a problem with his coaching are not watching. Like this dude's a really one of the best coaches, very underrated, doesn't get enough props as he deserves for how good of a coach he is. I think he is uh, one of those things where it's just people just don't really realize it. And like you said, after a loss, everybody gets negative. Everybody gets pessimistic. You know, the one thing I'd say is, you know, like, yeah, they're having problems in, in crunch time. Guess what? They're a young team. Young teams struggle in crunch time because they have to understand how to win in those moments. It takes time. It takes practice. It takes re- repetition to get in those things to understand, you know, it's a growing process. This is part of it. And I'm not surprised that they struggle in crunch time. I'm not surprised the offense stalls because guess what? Defenses, especially good teams, will pick up their pressure and 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 like a vice begin to start turning that crank to get it a little tougher. So I think everybody just needs to chill out and relax a bit. Take a step back and just be like, "Hey man, you guys weren't even in these games last year. You know, you're in them now, you know, and and and, and hopefully next season you'll win more of these." And and that's just kind of the way these things go. And sometimes crunch time comes down to one play, a flip of the coin and and you know, does the referee make this call or does he miss this one or whatnot? It's so many different things. Like everybody just needs to chill out. But anybody that wants to say Rick Carlisle, you know, is a bad coach or wants to question his coach. There are times he makes mistake, every, mistakes. Every coach does. I, I, I understand that. And I'll point that out when I catch it on Twitter and things like that. That doesn't mean he's a bad coach. And like I said earlier, man, anybody wants to talk about that, they can come see me. And also, as our producer Sasha mentions, you know, like th- there might be an idea that, that Luca is more polished. He has all this time in the Euro League and, and success over there, you know. But but he's you know he's still twenty. You know he's turning twenty one and at the end of this month, you know, never had a drink clearly, until till the end of this month. That is that is absolutely correct. So 
Was, was did I did I uh, did I sum up your your point succinctly, Sasha? Yeah, I think so. I think people just like maybe think that having like even like won some things or had like accolades elsewhere means that like these, you know how Brandon Ingram took like forever basically to look even a little bit polished, and even now he still has some things that kind of make you say, well, well, you know, he's not quite used to the NBA yet. I think people thought that because Luca played professionally before and had accolades and success, that that's sort of like perhaps maybe he's like an uncut gem, so to speak, and he still needs to be polished oh, up boy. by the NBA. Sasha out. <laughs> the one thing the one thing I'd push back on that a little bit is people genuinely in the draft was was saying that wasn't enough, right? Like his Euro League experience didn't equate to college basketball, and that's why People didn't think he'd he'd actually make it in the NBA and and, and he'd actually be a bust or or not as good. So uh, you know, and, and and I agree with Sasha in that sense of they see the accolades and they think he should be this great, but some people the other way around weren't even expecting this. So, but then he turned uh, around and was so good. I think that was the other thing, right? It was like he's maybe there were the haters who thought he wouldn't be good, but he's turned around and he was like immediately made a huge impact. In the NBA, he's like an all-star. Opinions change quickly in this league. And I think people have already forgotten how they uh, underestimated him probably and are now switching to overestimating him, which happens all the time. The same thing happened with Brandon Ingram every single year. Love how you keep tying in Lakers. Hey, uh, he's a Pelican. <laughs> I, I, this, this, this is also a very podcast thing to randomly bring a producer in 30 minutes into the show for, for one brief comment. So I feel like a real podcaster. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that sums it up on, on my end. Um, uh, you want to talk about Michael Kidd Gilchrist for like 60 seconds? Yeah, I can do it very quickly. We'll see how this pans out. It's a, it's a low risk, high reward for the, the Mavs. I mean, a lot of times these buyout guys don't necessarily provide that much of a lift. Um, there are exceptions, of course, and, and I don't need anybody tweeting me about this stuff. But, you know, he's not, still not a great shooter, pretty athletic, never really kind of lived up to the expectations in Charlotte. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, just another piece for, for Carlisle, a guy to, to put out there to, to help defend, you know, power forwards. And, and as the league is getting kind of smaller, especially if you play the Rockets in the, in, in the playoffs or, uh, uh, in the regular season, you're going to need a guy like him, just another switchable guy that could could help out in that sense. And I think that's my my little uh, opinion there on Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Yeah, Carlisle said he's going to play the four or the five, which you know he has to. Um, if you don't shoot, you cannot play the three, and especially in this system. So you know he will never play next to Kali Stein or Boban. Uh, he probably, I, I don't think he'll even get many minutes with Maxi Kleba. You know, maybe those two alone, but but mostly he will be a Porzingis, uh, someone to pair with Porzingis. Uh, they can both be, you know, they can be the four five, you know, in that setting. You know, you might even have Kid Gilchrist play more of the five and be the the pick setter and the role man uh, while um, while Porzingis is, is more of a spot up guy. Um, I, I think really his success here or or not will fully come on actually how good he is um, as a defender. Because if he is if he is a you know really game changing defender can really lock you know really disrupt offenses you know and, and maybe push this defense into like a top ten unit when when they're clicking totally 
you know, maybe he does deserve some minutes and you just figure out the offense as you go along. But, you know, if, if his defense is only like, you know, it's like, oh, another another solid wing out there. You know, that's not good enough for him to warrant uh, playing time, given given his offense, uh, offensive limitations and all that. So, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see, uh, you know, the, the ideal situation is that he can, you know, he's not a traditional role man. Of course, he's not big enough. But, you know, if he can if he can do the short roll and, and get the ball to the free throw line and then make one play whether it's a dribble and a layup or a, a dribble and a pass to the corner or, you know, what have you, you know, uh, using him kind of like a, a Draymond Green. Uh, I know John and the Sharks at the Ringer, you know, uh, wrote about that possibility the, the beginning of last season in Charlotte. Uh, didn't really pan out. I, I don't think he has the passing skills uh, to, to really make that work. But, you know, it's 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 interesting. We'll, we'll see how it works. And, uh, you know, it's worth it's worth a shot because everything gets smaller in the playoffs and, you know, I, I do think that's that's going to be the best case scenario or the, the best, the most likely usage is, is that he'll he'll uh, he'll pop up in the playoffs in some capacity when they need to change up in a, in a different look. Yeah, just another another tool in the, the toolbox. But Tim, let me ask you this. Exactly. Let me ask you this question here. Uh, what are you most looking forward to this all star weekend? Like, what are you excited about for this this weekend in Chicago? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm definitely looking for an open bar. So, you know, that's that's always <laughs> <laughs> wow so you're basically gonna get lit okay uh probably wasn't nah, expecting nah. that answer <laughs> <laughs> no i've never been to chicago and so i am uh you know it's it's gonna be cold and i know that and i've, I've everybody's told me about how you know 30 there is not really 30 you know it's much lower but you know I'm, I'm interested you know chicago feels like the one nba city the one you know major it's by far the biggest um American city I have not been to that in Seattle I, I would say are the two that I really need to visit and, and haven't done so yeah I, I'm probably looking for that and uh, gonna kind of just tag along and shadow Luka Doncic all, all weekend and we will have some stories and I believe a story and a podcast about that next week so oh there we go keep an eye out thanks everyone for listening this has been Tim Cato thanks to Mo for hopping on as always as the co-host thanks to Sasha for producing I like to imagine that longtime listeners, if such a thing exists of this podcast, were just blown away by our appearance because I don't think we've talked about or heard from Sasha at all in any episode yet. But uh, thank you, as always, for producing. Sasha's always behind the, the mics or the, the con- controls or keyboards, whatever it is. And uh, that's it for me. And <laughs> if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic... You can subscribe to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash 77 minutes in heaven for 40% off an annual subscription. We'll see you guys next week. 